0: Welcome to episode 205 of the IT Career Energizer podcast. My guest on today's show is a programmer who combines degrees in engineering and psychology. He's the founder of Mpair, where he designs tools for software analysis. He's also the author of Software Design X-rays, Your Code as a Crime Scene, Lisp for the Web, and Patterns in C. So welcome to the IT Career Energizer podcast, Adam
1: Tornhill. Thanks a lot. Really nice to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: I'm delighted to have you on the show, Adam. I would just first like to ask you a little bit about what you do within Ampere and maybe you could give us a little bit of an understanding of your background.
1: So Ampere uh, is uh, my startup. I'm the founder. I founded it uh, four years ago in 2015, and uh, we are developing a product called uh, CodeScene which is a tool that helps you prioritize technical depth and get insights into the social and organizational sides of code. Codesyn and what we do at Empir is basically based on my combination of uh, my engineering perspective and my psychological background. So that's what I try to unite.
0: Okay, and how did you get into that? What was the attraction of that for you?
1: Yes, it basically goes back to my old life. I used to be a software consultant and um, I was often hired as a tech lead or an architect and i found those issues really really hard to deal with i mean where do we focus improvement and how can we ensure that we get anything out of it so that's what led me down that path many years ago
0: right so you effectively you designed a solution to your own problem
1: that's right i never intended it to be a product Basically what I did in my previous book, Your Is of Crime Scene, I tried to describe the techniques I had been using successfully for a number of years. And once I finished the book, I kind of realized that I have really just scratched the surface. There's so much more to do. So that was the main driver behind the Ampere and my startup. So
0: Adam, can you share with us a career tip, one that the audience may not know and perhaps
1: should? So to me, I think the most important career tip i've ever gotten is that no matter if you're targeting a technical career or you want to go down a management path i do think that the single most important skill you can have is domain expertise so my main advice is become a domain expert domain expertise to me means understanding both the product its context and our end users and the reason i say this is because with domain expertise that's what really allows you to simplify solutions and simpler solutions means not only better code, it also means shorter time to market and less main- maintenance costs. So that would be my primary tip.
0: Okay, so when you talk about domain knowledge, do you also mean in a business context as well? So understanding the needs of the of your customer or your client and their actual business?
1: Yes, uh, that's definitely included. And uh, this is something I've become more and more aware of uh, during my years uh, as a startup founder. Because suddenly you need to take all all those different roles. And that's when you kind of realize that traditionally in the software industry, there's so much stuff that we do that don't necessarily have a business value. And if you have the domain expertise, you know to either down-prioritize or even cut out that stuff. It saves you a lot of time.
0: It does, exactly. Okay. And Adam, can you tell us about your worst IT career moment and what you learned from that experience?
1: I had several. (laughs) <laughs> uh, so uh, it's fun because i actually spent some time last year uh, to blog about it under the title my five worst bugs lessons learned in system design i remember writing that down it was really painful but i also think it was useful for me personally i do think for my long list of mistakes there's uh, a single one that really stands out as career threatening and that was uh, more than 20 years ago and uh Those of you who were around at that time, you remember the year two K, year two thousand bug, right? The Y two K bug. And I'm not going into that many technical details, but we do remember that the main problem was that the year was typically stored using just two digits. Yeah. And uh, at that time, I worked in a large company on a control system, and. uh, that control system interfaced with, um, had a technical interface for technicians where they can connect terminal and inspect the system. And of course, that the interface used just two digits to represent the year. So we decided that, yeah, this will become a problem. We need to do something to fix it. Now, uh, what I tried to do was that I realized that there are a lot of those terminals around the world. This is 20 years ago, so an update wasn't as easy as it is today. So I thought, hmm, is there a way to avoid breaking all those external connections? And I found a way. I decided to be smart. And I do think this was my first mistake. <laughs> right. <laughs> because I, what, what I did, again, I'm going to try to avoid most of the technical details. But th- what I did was basically I, I decided that, all right, I get a two-year uh, digit. If that number is less than 38, I know that it's a recent year. It has to be 2000 something. So let's add 20 to it. If it's larger than 38, it has to be the last millennia. So let's add 19. Let's prepend 19 to it. And uh, I did that. Very little code. Full backwards compatibility. Wonderful. And we did some uh, testing on it. We couldn't test it end to end. And finally, we shipped it. And just to provide some more context here, 20 years ago shipping a product like that meant physical distribution using cd-roms which was expensive yes and yeah i was quite happy with it i didn't think much more about it except how beautiful i solved the problem and then a couple of months later i worked on a different project and i for some reason sat down with the documentation for the date and time library that i was using and suddenly i like just froze because i realized that all right, that number I have been receiving due to the way those APIs work, it's not going to flip from 99 to 0, It's going to flip from 99 to 100. (laughs) Right. Which which basically means that uh, my whole fix would be completely off. Yeah. Because suddenly 100, yeah, larger than 31, I would prepend 19, and I would get a year that doesn't even exist. Yes. So it was horrible. It was absolutely horrible. And I realized that there's so much money on stake here this will cost the company a lot of money. We have to do a new unplanned and expensive release. And uh, I was pretty sure that I will lose my job for this. It it's, was really incompetent. I'm going to lose my job. So I, I kind of just sat down and thought, what should I do about this? And I've, you know, after some soul searching, I decided to tell my manager and yeah, assume full responsibility. And uh, this is one of the few times I've been genuinely scared in my career. So uh, that was horrible. It was a tough lesson.
0: Sure. But in terms of actually resolving the issue, what happened?
1: Yes, yeah, so what happened was I went uh, into my manager, told him the full story. And uh, yeah, he was much more calm than what I have would have been in that situation. He basically just asked me, all right, but uh, what can we do to fix it? And I walked him through it and I estimated the cost for it. And he said, all right, perfect. Let's do that
0: right so you had a very supportive manager in that respect
1: extremely supportive manager i'm still so grateful for him so uh rolf is you if you listen to this thanks a lot
0: (laughs) yes exactly okay so moving away from your worst moment can you perhaps tell us about your career highlight or greatest success
1: yes i'm fortunate to have a few of those as well so that's would be good to balance it up with absolutely yes so uh Yeah, this was a little bit later. Let's say it was 15 years ago. What happened now was that I was in another company, again, a big product company. And they had a project that was supposed to take 18 months. Now, this project was uh, six months late. It had been going for two years. And the problem was that there was a deadline, a hard deadline in just three months. And missing that deadline would have meant that the company actually had to pay some fines. And it would be really high fines. So people started to become a little bit desperate. And uh, one manager approached me, I think it was the head of development, who came to me and asked me if I could take a look at the uh, project and uh, tell him if there's anything we can do to push it through in three months. So I took a look at it. I uh, looked at the test results. I inspected the code base and all that stuff. I talked to the developers, and I pretty soon realized that there's no way in the world that we're going to rescue this in three months. It's simply not doable. Yeah. So it was an unfortunate situation. But what I did in that situation was that I went to the manager and I said that we could indeed fix it, but we can only fix it under two conditions. And the first condition is that you have to let me do whatever I need to do. And the second one is I can pick the team I want. And I got to go ahead. And uh, the first thing I did was basically to announce the decision that we're going to rewrite that system from scratch. And that came as a surprise because people had been working on that for two years and now we were supposed to rewrite it in three months. Yeah. So, yeah, so as some people start to get a little bit pale and um, it turned out that that system, that replacement system became a real success. We actually had the first version installed in not three months, but in six weeks. And um, once we started to measure it, it turned out it was 25% more performant than the old dysfunctional system. And more important, it was feature complete and it worked so i think that was uh, one of my biggest successes
0: that that's great to hear uh, do you think that what was learned over the first 18 months actually played a part in making the second version more successful
1: yes definitely that was the very reason that i was confident that we could go ahead and we can do this within the allocated time because uh, the team I put together, I made sure to pick uh, some of the key people of the previous projects, the ones who have really built up the domain expertise, and I combined that with some people with really good technical expertise. So that was definitely a key.
0: And presumably, it was, it was a regulatory requirement to have this system implemented.
1: Yes. I mean, the whole business I worked in at that time was uh, heavily regulated. It's, uh, it was actually a safety-critical system, so it had some very hard requirements on it.
0: Yeah. Okay. So Adam, what excites you about the future of the IT industry and careers in IT?
1: Yeah, for me personally, it's uh, what I like the most about our industry is that it changes so rapidly. And I love to learn new stuff. And from that perspective, I don't think there's any better career than in IT, because our landscape is changing all the time. Yes. So that's what I like the most.
0: Uh, As you say, it's, it's continual change. I think potentially the the rate of change has been accelerating over the last few years as well i, I just wonder how far that will go
1: yeah I, I have that feeling as well i'm just not sure if it really is that way or if i'm just getting older i'm not sure
0: <laughs> yes you may be right it may be that <laughs> but maybe the <laughs> the pace of change is getting getting uh too much for us i don't know <laughs> maybe that's it yeah. <laughs> okay and um, we're going to go into the reveal rounds now we're going to find out a little bit more about you and the way you think are you ready for this yeah uh, yes i'm ready so what first attracted you to a career in it
1: so uh, i just happened to love to write code it was basically it wasn't planned at all i started out in the 1980s as a child on my commodore 64 started to program at that time, I I loved it. I spent a lot of time programming for Commodore 64, but I didn't even consider it a possible career. I just thought this program as as, as a hobby, and I was surprised to find out 10 years later that someone would actually pay me to do it. So that's what attracted me.
0: Sure. It's amazing how often the Commodore 64 is mentioned in these interviews. So it seems to be um, one of the sort of the early computers for a lot of people who actually ended up becoming programmers
1: yeah it, it was extremely popular and also it was the way it worked as soon as it booted up you basically had to type in code to even start the game right yeah you're at a
0: command line straight away yes
1: yeah, so it was a natural path
0: and what is the best career advice you've ever received
1: the best advice i've ever gotten was to start to write because i found that uh, writing is a fantastic learning vehicle because uh, once I sit down to write something, and when you try to explain something to someone else through written words, you take a different perspective on the subject. And this is something that I help have, that really helps me clarify ideas. And if you manage to publish your writings, then that may open up several other career opportunities as well. So it's something I really recommend. Yeah,
0: that's good advice. And what is the worst career advice you've ever received? The worst
1: career advice is uh, that to make a career means becoming a manager. Because I do think that manager experience is useful. I appreciate mine for sure. But I'm pretty sure you can make an excellent career as a technical expert, and that's important. So if you enjoy technical work, then I encourage you to continue doing that. Management is different, but it's not necessarily better.
0: Absolutely true. Yes, I think um, there was always this perceived notion that to progress your career you had to go into management and i think that is less true probably now than it used to be um, and there's definitely that distinction between the two different career paths you can say you can go down a technical route or you can potentially go down a management route if you choose I, I think you probably could combine the two but it's probably not as effective
1: yeah no i i know from personal experience that i find it pretty hard to combine it because uh, like we said earlier it changes so rapidly to So to just stay on top of all our programming languages and uh, operating systems and whatnot, that's more than a full-time job. So it's very hard to combine with management.
0: If you were to begin your IT career again in today's world, what would you do?
1: So I actually think I did something right early in my career that I think still applies. And uh, that is that I would try to early on get a good mix between working on the same product for a prolonged time. So initially I wouldn't switch jobs too often because I do think that it's really important to really early in your career stay longer on assignment and you know just to experience how those early decisions the early design decisions you make impact later lifecycle costs of the products that's a was a very valuable lesson to me
0: and what career objectives are you currently focusing on
1: right now I'm focusing uh, most of my time on my startup on Empire and that the uh, consumes most of my time but what I also try to work on I try to work on my communication skills both in writing but also in presenting
0: and what's the number one non-technical skill that has helped you in your career so far
1: that's that's an easy one because to me it's definitely my psychology degree that has been a tremendous help
0: yeah so can you maybe give us an example of how that that does help you
1: So it helps me in all aspects of my job because uh, psychology is about uh, people, right? And people develop software. So uh, I do think that we in IT, no matter what, we do have a lot to learn from psychology. So I use psychology, I use lessons from cognitive psychology to influence how I should design my code. I try to design my code so it fits the brain rather than uh, a potential computer. And I also think that uh, software projects today, they are largely social activities and to be really efficient in a in a project or on a team we need to have a basic understanding of social psychology
0: i think there's also a lot of discussion or talk around they use the, the word empathy in particular presumably that relates to the psychology of what you're talking about
1: yeah it's definitely related and it's it's also part of you know uh, forming the culture and to really form a culture i think it really helps to be aware of uh, potential social biases and uh, group biases because they do occur often in software projects yes
0: and what do you do to keep your own career energized
1: what works really well for me that is to um, do side projects and the side projects that i choose i try to pick something that's as unrelated to my work as possible. I try to pick something very, very different. That's what tends to energize me.
0: Can you give us an example of one, maybe?
1: Yeah, so uh, right now, what I do is I'm implementing a deep learning neural network from scratch, not because I need it for my job, because there are so many available frameworks, but rather because I think it's a fun and interesting task on its own. Mm.
0: Yeah, and presumably it gives you a different way of thinking about things and exercises your your brain in a different way?
1: Yeah, and uh, at other times I might learn something um, completely different. So last year I spent some time learning about ancient hieroglyphs, for example, which is also a little bit like programming, right? Learning a new vocabulary, how it fits together. And you never know. It, It sounds completely unrelated, but there comes a day when exactly that knowledge is something that gives you an idea that you can actually actually execute on
0: and what do you do in your spare time away from technology
1: so in my spare time i do love to read i read lots of books most of them completely unrelated to technology and uh, of course i also love to spend time with my kids i have uh, two of them and i love uh, hiking and nature in general yeah
0: so out in the fresh air yeah i love it (laughs) Um, Adam, can you share a parting piece of career advice with the IT Career Energizer audience?
1: Yes, yeah, so my most general advice, and this is a harder one, but my most general advice is to learn to learn. I think that's the most important skill you can have. And there are several ways of approaching that. But if you choose a technical path, it makes sense to have experience with as many different programming paradigms and design paradigms as possible. Because that makes learning something new so much easier because you can easily relate it to something you already know, to some mental model that you already have. So learn to learn. Yeah,
0: that's a great tip. And finally, what's the best way we can find out more about you and connect with you?
1: Yeah, so I actually have uh, two blogs. I have my personal blog at adamthornhill.com. I have my uh, company blog at empire.com. And I'm on Twitter as Adam Thornhill. And I do go to lots of different developer conferences. So if you see me there, drop by and say hi.
0: Adam, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. It's been great chatting with you. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. Well, I hope you enjoyed listening in to today's episode and to my guest' career tips, advice, and experiences. You'll find a show notes page for today's episode on the IT Career a website, which will be itcareerenergizercom e, and then the number of today's episode. And a quick reminder that the show has now three episodes every week on Mondays, Wednesdays and Fridays. So make sure that you are subscribed to the show to get new episodes automatically downloaded. Also, don't forget to join the IT Career Energizer community Facebook group. You'll get to engage with other like-minded people get to find out more about upcoming guests and other episodes and can get involved in the future direction of the podcast. It really is a great pleasure to be able to talk to so many inspirational people from across the industry and to be able to share their stories and advice with you. Thanks for listening. And remember, if you're not growing your career, you're slowing your career. Thanks for listening to the IT Career Energizer podcast. To find out more about building a successful career in IT, visit itcareerenergizer.com.